I'm Rafi Alos. I'm a partner in Allen & Overy's Intellectual Property Group in London. I'm here with my colleagues Sapna Palla, a partner in our New York office, and Tina Carmele, a senior associate in our Brussels office. And we're here to discuss the regulatory interplay between medical devices and medicines. The regulatory frameworks for medicines and medical devices have historically grown up on separate tracks. But increasingly, medicines and medical devices are being used together in patients. For example, as drug device combinations, as companion diagnostics, and in clinical trials. We're going to focus today in this podcast on companion diagnostics. This is a class of products which is rapidly gaining in importance, particularly in treating patients with cancer. About one third of marketing authorizations in the field of oncology in the EU between 2010 and 2020 required a diagnostic test for patient identification. The global oncology companion diagnostic market size was valued at $2.2 billion in 2019. Sapna, could you briefly explain what we mean by companion diagnostic, please? Yes, of course, Rafi, happy to. So companion diagnostics are commonly products that can detect the presence of targets on the outside of a cell, such as a cancer cell, in the human body, or that can identify certain genetic mutations, which are called biomarkers. They identify those patients that are likely to be susceptible to treatment with a targeted medicine. Such biomarkers are critical to the identification of patients that will respond safely and effectively to many new medicines. They also mean that clinical trials can proceed more quickly and that our precious healthcare resources are not wasted on patients who will not benefit. Medicines whose use is dictated by a companion diagnostic are often referred to as personalized or precision medicines. So companion diagnostics are not actually medicinal products or drugs themselves, are they? Rafi, no, you're right, they're not. Um, The companion diagnostic is a medical device. Companion diagnostics do not fulfill the definition of medicine in either the US or the EU because they do not have any sort of effect on the physiology or metabolism of the human body. Most of them will be used in in vitro tests in the lab on tissue biopsy specimens taken from patients. They're classed in both the US and in the EU as medical devices, usually in in vitro medical devices, which we often call as IVDs. So this will often mean that a pharmaceutical company will collaborate with a device manufacturer in the co-development of a companion diagnostic, right? Yeah, Rafi, that's correct. Although increasingly, we're seeing pharma companies develop their own in-house companion diagnostics. So the source could be from two different types of companies. Okay, let's look at a case study now. Say a company has a promising personalized medicine that it believes will be safe and effective for a particular type of cancer that can be identified by a biomarker that that company has recently discovered. There are no generally available diagnostics for this biomarker available. So the company develops, in collaboration with a partner, a diagnostic test for this particular biomarker. If the company wants to seek authorization for its drug, for a patient subpopulation identified by this biomarker, how would they approach regulatory approval in the US? Rafi, this is a great case study to address this question. So the companion diagnostic, which is often an in vitro diagnostic device, 
is a medical device that provides information that is essential for the safe and effective use of a corresponding drug or biological product. The companion diagnostic in this case will be regulated by the FDA as an in vitro medical device under the IVD regulation. So companion diagnostics are generally risk class three, although there are some cases in which they can be categorized under class two. The safety and effectiveness of the companion diagnostic when used with a corresponding drug or biologic will be reviewed and approved by the device authorities of the FDA under the FDA Act and relevant medical devices regulations. The drug, on the other hand, will be regulated separately by the U.S. under the drugs legislations. Thank you, Satna. Tina, how about in the EU? We all know that the EU has changed the regulation of in vitro medical devices rather recently. Yes, that's correct indeed. So the in vitro medical device regulation applies since May 2022, and it has had, in fact, significant implications for the regulation of companion diagnostics compared to its predecessor, which was the in vitro medical device directive. So it's actually the first time that specific provisions for companion diagnostics were adopted. And companion diagnostics are, like in the US, also regulated as in vitro medical devices in the EU. The key reason why this is the case is that a diagnostic procedure in the companion diagnostic does not affect the patient's body in what we call a pharmacological way, which is in fact the relevant criterion to consider a product to be a medicinal product or not. And so an in vitro medical device and the companion diagnostic is defined in a regulation as a device which is essential for the safe and effective use of the corresponding medicine to either identify patients who will most likely benefit from such product or alternatively identify the patients which are at an increased risk of developing serious adverse reactions from such treatment. So the crucial factor to decide whether your product is in fact a companion diagnostic is whether or not your device is essential for a decision to use or not to use the related product. It may be also important to remark that unlike in the US, IVDs, which are used to monitor patients, say for example, to adjust the concentration of a relevant substance in a clinical trial, are not considered companion diagnostics in the EU. And in the EU, a companion diagnostic will be considered to belong to what we call risk class C, which is the second highest risk level of in vitro medical devices. And it will also have to undergo a special conformity procedure before it can be placed on the market. And how are companion diagnostics and medicinal products authorized in the EU? So there is unfortunately not one single route in the EU to authorize a medicinal product and a companion diagnostic as one single product. And it, this basically means that both products will have to go through their own respective approval pathways. And so your medicinal product will be approved by the EMA and the companion diagnostic by a notified body. But so you can imagine, this is quite a challenge for medicine developers and diagnostic manufacturers who sometimes develop their products independently to each other and subject to different timelines. And what are the main differences in the two development pathways that you outlined? So the key difference is that after preclinical development, your medicinal product will need to undergo clinical trials before a marketing authorization will be granted. And as you know, the test to approve a medicinal product is that it needs to have proven to be safe and effective 
and can be manufactured with a consistent quality according to its specifications. While your companion diagnostic, on the other hand, will have to go through a notified body conformity assessment supported by technical and clinical data, uh, which is not necessarily trial data, before it can achieve CE certification. And so your conformity assessment concentrates on assessing whether the device, when used as intended, performs in accordance with its specifications. Um, and so the EU regulation, however, foresees some information sharing about the companion diagnostic between the two regulatory bodies uh, who are in place, so the EMA on the one hand and the notified body on the other hand. And it will in more detail boil down to the fact that the EMA will provide a scientific opinion to the notified body on the suitability of the device in relation to the medicinal product. And this basically means that they'll look at whether and how the companion diagnostic can be used in relation to this particular medicinal product, given the performance and the use that was claimed by the manufacturer. This whole consultation procedure in principle lasts around 60 days, but can be extended on valid scientific grounds for another um, 60 days. And then once your companion diagnostic is approved, the label of your medicinal product, the SMPC as we call it, will restrict the therapeutic indication with respect to your relevant biomarker, and it will refer to the used tests within the clinical trial. Um, and instructions for use and a summary of safety and performance will also refer to the intended purpose of your companion diagnostic in the EU. And Sapna, is that similar in the US? It's different in the US, Rafi, because of the manner in which the regulating body or center is selected. So as we know, a companion diagnostic can be a drug plus a device, a biological product plus a device, or a drug plus biological product and device. In the US, combination products are assigned to an FDA center that will have primary jurisdiction over pre-market review and regulation. So accordingly, products are assigned based on what is called a primary mode of action, or PMOA, which under the statute is defined as the single mode of action of a combination product that provides the most important therapeutic action of the combination product. So as you can see, it depends on which is the most important therapeutic action of the product. So for example, if the primary mode is biological product, the agency responsible for pre-market review and regulation of the biological product will have primary jurisdiction under the biologic license application, for example, and all the safety, efficacy, and data requirements of the BLA will have to be met. However, in some cases, uh, there might be situations where the primary mode of action cannot be determined. And if that's the case, uh, FDA regulations at 21 CFR part three provide an algorithm for determining the center assignment. The center assignment focuses on which center has the most expertise to evaluate safety and efficacy, or which center currently regulates products with similar safety and efficacy concerns. And indeed, sponsors can themselves request formal assignments through what is called a request for designation or an RFD or there can be a non-informal feedback process through submission 
of a pre-request for designation. Um, so it very much differs uh, from product to product. Thank you very much, Sapna and Tina. I hope this short podcast has provided you with some insights into the regulatory approaches to companion diagnostics on both sides of the Atlantic. We've only scratched the surface of a very interesting area of increasing convergence between traditional pharmaceutical and medical device development. If you wish to discuss any of these topics in further detail, please don't hesitate to contact us using our details in the tagline for this podcast. Thank you.